Um, we're going to do the scripture reading. It's from Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. So if you want to look that up in the Journey Bible or pull it up on your phone, we'll also uh, have it on the screen here. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, which, by the way, was what? Nazareth, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brothers of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. And he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve, by the way, the twelve were his disciples, calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter into a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. This is God's word. Please be seated. Have you ever thought that something was going to be easy and then it turned out not to be a cakewalk? Just raise your hand. You thought something was going to be easy. A cakewalk is something easy, right? It's like, oh, it's like eating cake. You know, it's a cakewalk. You, you thought it was going to be easy, and then it turned out not being as easy as you thought. Well, about three years ago, I bought a new truck. A new truck to me, not brand new by any stretch of the imagination. It was a 2007. I got a good deal on it, but it didn't have all the technology that I wanted on it. For example, I wanted a backup camera because I didn't want to run over anything or anybody. And I wanted something to plug my phone into so that I could talk on the phone and be hands-free with that and focus on driving. And so I started to look around to find, you know, what kind of system and who could install it. And, uh, and you know, it's like it's going to be expensive to do it. You know, this is a 2007 vehicle. So a good friend of mine said, hey, you know what? You can buy the system and you can install it yourself. It's not that hard. He said, as a matter of fact, he said, you'd probably be, take you three or four hours to do it. 
he was speaking my language. I love to save money. And I love to get the technology that I wanted. So I went ahead. I went for it. I bought the system. And I planned on my day off. I'll get up by 8. I'll be out there working on it. And by noon, I'll be done. Well, it took me until noon just to run the wires from the cab to the back of the truck to hook up the, the camera that was going back there. It took me till noon to do that. It's more complicated than you may think. And then I had to take the dash apart. And I got a picture of what that looks like. Please show that picture. This is what the dash looks like apart. And I got to one point and I'm like, what kind of a fool am I? I am never going to get this. Humpty Dumpty is not getting put back together in the right way. And so I went through all that. And it was you know, late afternoon. I finally got all the stuff hooked up. And then guess what? It didn't work. It didn't work. This is at 5 o'clock. And so I get on the phone and troubleshoot for a couple hours. And then finally, walking through that whole process, it worked. And, and it, was, it was great. But I am telling you, it was not a cakewalk. We like cakewalks, don't we? Nod your head if you like a cakewalk. You know, if you're a student, you want it simple. You try to find the easiest teacher teaching that class. Now, don't lie to me. I know it's true. And at work, you want it effortless, right? And if you are a Christian, you want following Christ to be easy to achieve. But that's what I want to talk to you about today. Following Jesus is not a cakewalk. It's not. Easy is not in the job description, okay? And, uh, you know, we've been kind of talking about that this year as we've kind of got into the year. We started out the year talking about the idea of, you know, just overcoming our weaknesses and our sins and the things that beset us. It's not easy to do that. We actually need to find brothers or sisters to confess our sins to. That's not a cakewalk. And then a few weeks ago we talked about it's so easy to just sit and watch at church. Watch other people do stuff and not engage. And we talked about moving from spectating to shepherding to really you know, caring about people. And today, here's the idea I want to talk to you about. Following Christ. Here's the thing. Following Christ is a challenging journey that leads to transformed lives. I want you to know that. Following Christ is a challenging journey and it leads to transformed lives. And so today's message is for you that you may know some things about Jesus, but you haven't really acted on Him. I want to urge you to trust Christ and follow after Him. And for some of you, you're here, you do follow Christ. And, but it's not passionate. You're not, you're just kind of going through the motions or you feel guilted into it and pressured into it. I want to encourage you to follow Jesus passionately. Follow Him all the more. Go all in with Jesus Christ. So, when you choose to follow Christ, it means three things. This is what I want to go through today. When you follow Jesus Christ, it means three things. Number one, when you follow Jesus Christ... You walk the same painful path that Jesus walked. 
This is all in full disclosure here this morning. I'm not going to tell you that being a Christian is easy and you should sign up. I'm going to give you all the fine print here this morning. You walk the same painful path that Jesus walked. Look where Jesus leads in this passage that I just read a few moments ago. He's in his hometown. And, you know, he's been doing amazing things. And everybody's like, wow, the miracles that they've heard about. It doesn't appear that he did many there because of their lack of faith. Um, and he's teaching, though, and they love his teaching. You ever heard a good teacher? It's like, wow, I just love to go hear that teacher teach. And, and they were just amazed at what he was teaching. They were filled with wonder. And then all of a sudden, there was a sea change. Everything just kind of changed. Um, you ever been in a room where everybody got snarky before? Just raise your hand. You've been in a room and everybody got snarky. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I don't know. It could have been the group. It could have been at work. It could have been some city meeting. It might have been your family. It's like all of a sudden everybody's critical and everybody's irritable. And they're like, what is this wisdom? And what is this, you know, these miracles and all this stuff? And hey, isn't that the carpenter? What does a carpenter do? A carpenter works with their hands. You know, they're like, isn't this the carpenter? They're, they're, they're kind of undercutting him. And, you know, like, well, what kind of intellectual value does he have to offer, they may have thought. I, I don't know. And, and then they said, isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this Mary's, were they calling him a mama's boy? I, I don't think so. I think they might have been questioning his legitimacy. Like, who is his father? That kind of a thing. And, Oh, we know his brothers and sisters. They don't seem to be that great. <laughs> and so they're just laying on him. And it, and it says, they took offense at him. They were rejecting him. And look what Jesus says again in verse 4. He says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his own relatives, and in his own home. Now, a prophet is very simply, you know, Jesus is a prophet. It, it's laid out here, and it's talked about in other places in the Bible. Jesus is a prophet, but I, I want you to understand there's a simple definition of a prophet. They can predict the future. They can do other things, but the most simplest understanding of a prophet is it's one who speaks for God. It's one who speaks God's words. And so what Jesus is saying, the one who speaks for God in his hometown might get canceled. You know, we're part of the cancel culture, right? The one who speaks God's words among their relatives will face rejection. Those who speak God's word to their family will get turned down, will get resisted. We'll get spurned. You see, Jesus walked that path, didn't he? He went to his hometown and he faced that painful path of rejection. And the truth is, if you follow him, you will walk that same path. Look in verse 6 what happens. He was amazed. He was amazed at their lack of faith. And then what happened? He went to other villages. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village and He called the twelve to go with Him. He called the twelve to follow with Him. 
And they did. They followed after him. And that's what a disciple is. That's what a Christian is. A Christian follows after Jesus Christ. Let me give you, uh, this is a pretty sobering definition of what a Christian is. I want to give this to you. It appears in the different Gospels three different times. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, it'll be on the screen. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. You see that? What is Jesus saying? He's saying a disciple is a student. A disciple is someone who is trying to be like the rabbi, like the leader. And and we use the word Christian. We use the word at Genesis a lot about a follower of Jesus. And he's saying here that a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is someone that denies themselves. They're not self-focused. That doesn't mean they deprive themselves from food and all that. It just means they're in tune with what are their desires. And are their desires in line with Jesus' desires? You see, they're others-focused. They're not self-focused. They're in a journey of becoming more Jesus-focused. And they take up their cross. Now, what does that mean? We have a cross behind us. Of course, Jesus hung on that cross. And if you go back through that narrative, you know Jesus carried his cross. And that was the way that crucifixion was done. Capital punishment was done in that day. They, the um, offender had to carry their cross. And, and it's another way of just thinking about carry your burdens. Carry your burdens. Don't ignore your sinfulness. Don't ignore the things that you um, have done that are not right. Don't blame it on others. Actually carry it. And then the last is follow after Jesus. Follow after him. Walk after his path. Like the old game we all played as kids and probably some kids in here played follow the leader. Anybody played follow the leader before? You know, the leader jumps up and down, you jump up and down, the leader goes and does the crab walk, you do the crab walk. Whatever Jesus is doing, we're doing. We made a definition for a follower of Christ years ago at Genesis. I want to put it up on the screen. A follower of Jesus is someone who is in a process of surrendering more and more of his or her life to the will and mission of God. A follower of Christ, a follower of Jesus is not perfect. They don't have everything all together. They're, they're not perfect in how they handle their anger or, or you know, their other sinfulness. No, but they're in a process, a daily process of, of opening their hands more and more and surrendering to God, to what Christ's will is and to his mission. So um, before we move on, here's kind of, This is the best way to say it, the best summary. There's a difference between believing in Jesus and following Jesus. Did you know that? There's a difference between believing things about Jesus, like he was a historical person, he died on the cross, he rose again. Those are beliefs. Beliefs are important. I'm not saying they're not important. But it's not the same as Following after. 
And I hope today that this will make it very clear for some people here where you stand. Believing is important. That's the bedrock. But then we must follow after. And it's laid out there very clear. And and my question for you is, which one are you? Are you just a believer in Christ or are you a follower of Jesus Christ? If you choose to follow Jesus, you will walk the same painful path that Jesus walked. Let's look at the second thing here. If you choose to follow Jesus, you proclaim a transforming but offensive message. The message of Christ is incredible. It's incredibly inclusive of all people. Anyone who comes to Jesus can be saved. It's incredible. And this morning, we're here to worship Jesus, the way maker, even when it doesn't seem like he's working. He's always working. You know, it's incredible to focus on who Jesus is. And his, his message can change a life, can radically change you, can change your whole family, your whole family tree, I like to say. And I've experienced that in my life. Jesus can bring a new um, meaning to your life, new significance, a new purpose, like why I'm here, why am I on this earth? It's not just for me, it's for something bigger than me. And the message of Christ, it's, it's the gospel. And so a great summary of the gospel is over in 2 Corinthians 8-9. I want to just take us there for just a moment. 2 Corinthians 8-9, it's my favorite verse on the gospel And this Apostle Paul is teaching the Corinthian church what the gospel is. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, you see, Jesus was rich, right? Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. That's the gospel. Isn't that wonderful? That Jesus came down, Philippians chapter 2, that he set aside his position in heaven and he came down into this broken place, this sinful place. He set aside his heavenly position to reach those who are poor. Those of us who are, are broken and without remedy. And he came into this space to make us rich. Jesus became poor so that you and I could become rich. And he is the only one. This is what we believe as Christians, what Genesis believes, what Orthodox Christianity has always believed, is that Jesus is the only one strong enough to do that. He's the only one that is risen from the grave to do that. And he is worthy of our praise. Do you know that? He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our devotion. He's worthy of our contemplation. Yeah, I like to think about the lions, and it's okay. I like to think about other things, and that's okay. But Jesus is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise because of what He has done uh, for us. He gave Himself up for us. And, and that's why our, you know, as a church, Genesis Church, our 10-year vision is built around the gospel. I want to put it up on the screen here to go through this. This is our 10-year vision. We love our community. We're a ch- we love our community. We want them to come. And I, I met two new people here, their first time here from our community. I'm so glad. Thank you for coming. For those that you were watching in, thank you for watching in. We love our community. Christ has taught us that. And we believe that the gospel is the only solution to the brokenness, 
and the emptiness that we all experience without Christ. Therefore, we envision God using us to equip hundreds of individuals and families to be Christ-centered, which means this, they'll know their call and be fully invested into it. But I just want to show you, that's how important the gospel is to this church. We believe it is the only way that we truly help people. We give away money, we serve people, and those are important. We'll continue to do that. But the gospel is what radically can change a life. Can I hear an amen to that? That's what I believe. That's what I experienced. I can't tell you what I grew up in and what I found in Christ. And I offer that to anyone here today. If you want to be rich, go to the one who made himself poor for you. But here, there's no other way around it. This message is offensive. It's offensive because it demands total surrender. In relating uh, the message of Christ, we're in essence delivering bad news. A couple Christmases ago, Brenda gave me the glassware with the cheesy potatoes in them. And she told me to put it in the trunk of the car. I put it on the trunk of the car. I still don't know why I did that. But that's what I did. She had spent all morning getting it ready. Christmas morning, you know, getting us ready for this. I put it on the trunk. I went back in to do some other things. And then I realized, you know what? I I had a 10-minute errand I needed to run. I know, Christmas morning. What are you, crazy? So I went out into the car. I started up. I whipped out of my driveway. And I heard a crash. And I looked in my rearview mirror and I saw glass and cheesy potatoes on Blackbird Road. Not good. Not a good look. Not a good, not a start to a good day. And so I had to clean all that off the road so nobody drove over it. And then guess what? I had to go to somebody. On Christmas Day, I had to go and deliver the bad news. I had to tell her I couldn't. She needed to know. Why did she need to know? Because she was expecting those cheesy potatoes for a dinner downstate. And she needed to know that we weren't going to be having cheesy potatoes that day. And so I had to deliver the bad news. And you know, that's what it's like when we're bringing the gospel to people. It's like glass in your cheesy potatoes. It's not very appetizing. One of the verses that just really, um, you know, in Romans, there's two verses. Romans 3.23. Does anybody know it? Say it with me. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. All of us have sinned. Every one of us in this room. I'm a pastor. I've sinned. Brenda has. I can vouch for that. (laughs) She can vouch for me as well. And then Romans 6.23, we'll put this on the screen. It says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, right there you get both of the bad news and the good news combined. But we are delivering news that, news that will transform their lives. But it's hard to take. And that's exactly what was going down with Jesus in the synagogue and We can look at Luke 4. By the way, I've put in the notes. If you want the notes, text Genesis. You'll get the notes. There's a little, um, in the resources, there's a thing called the Gospel Harmony. It harmonizes the four Gospels so you can see in different places 
um, where, like in Luke where it happens and in Matthew, and it's very interesting to, because you pick up different bits of information in some of the other accounts. And in Luke 4, uh, I'm not dogmatic that it's the same event, but it appears to be the same event. But here, Jesus, he's talking to them, they're happy, he's saying nice things, and then all of a sudden he starts to bring some truth. He tells a couple of Old Testament stories to confront them about their heart, heart, hardened hearts. And he, he basically says this, God is generous and God offers to you, and if you reject him, he will take his grace somewhere else. And, and it says in that verse there, it says that they became furious with him. And they were ready to kill him. They were ready to throw him off of a cliff. Our neighbors, our co-workers, our fellow students, family members. I'm going to say this. Some of them are not going to feel poor, that they're poor. They're not going to feel that they have any kind of problem with God. And what do we do with that? Uh, to tell them that they do have a problem with God is offensive. And, and, but we don't go around like bullhorn man. But we're also asked to follow after Jesus Christ into his path. We're to be faithful with the gospel that he's given us. With the, with the, the truth that he has bestowed on us. And so um, we share it when the opportunity arises in a very, you know, respectful, not in a condescending way, but we share the truth. Again, we don't need to be bullhorn man. We don't need to be sledgehammer woman. We need to be discerning about when to share, but we need to share. Look what Mark 6, 11 says that, you know, when he was given the instruction, he says, if in any place they will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place. And shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Um, Again, we don't have to sledgehammer it. We can share and then that's enough. We can move on. We don't have to keep going after uh, someone. But I want to point you to the people around you and I that are broken. They're empty. They know they're sinful. And they're looking for Hope. They, they yearn for hope that things could be different. They want repair in their lives. They want joy. I want you to think about those people. Because they're the people that need the message. And they're around you. They're around you. They're around me. You know, I mean, for example, um, someone going through a divorce. We have many that are connected to Genesis that are in this situation. And um, in my t- almost 30 years of being a pastor, um, it is one of the most painful things I've seen happen. I've never gone through a divorce, except for my parents were divorced. But what they're going through is like an arm getting tore off your body. And they're looking for hope. For someone who is a suffering some serious physical illness or someone who's lost the custody of their children or someone who's in bankruptcy or some other financial meltdown. Don't hold back. 
that the one who came down to become poor so that you could become rich. Don't hold back that truth from people. Okay, if you choose to follow Jesus, you will take some sort of profit role. You will. That doesn't mean you're going to be up front of Genesis speaking. But you will. It's a part of following after Christ. You may do it reluctantly. You may do it with great hesitation. And that's okay because you're in a process of surrendering more and more of your life. Okay? You will walk the path of rejection, yes. But that path will change you. That path will transform you into others-focused kind of a person. Let's go to the last one. Lastly, if you choose to follow Jesus, you prioritize honoring Christ over pleasing people. I'm going to have Zach come up right now. You prioritize honoring Christ over pleasing people. Isn't it so easy to just be a people pleaser? Have you found that to be true? Like you go to the supermarket and you see the kid crying for the candy. I know none of the kids here this morning would ever do that. You know, and then, and then dad says no, and then the, it goes up to another notch. And then the dad says, yeah, right? It's like a people pleaser, right? And I've been there. I've done that. It's so easy. Uh, we don't want to offend anyone. We want to, you know, walk real lightly like on eggshells or something like that. And, you know, I don't want to be canceled. I don't want my kids to be canceled. I don't want to get left out. But when that happens... We're just believing things about Jesus. We're not following after Him. Following Christ means putting His will and His mission over our personal will. That's just plainly what it means. Plainly what it says. You see, Jesus, He was dishonored by His homies, wasn't He? But we can honor Christ by making Him first over what people think. We can make it higher than what people think about us, say about us, and even do to us. And here's the greatest thing as I end up. We can choose to follow Christ more. We can choose it. One of the greatest gifts God has given to each of his humans in his creation is the gift of choice. You can choose to follow Jesus. You can choose to act on what you believe about him and truly surrender to Him. And as a follower of Christ, you can choose to go after Him even more and to passionately follow Him. And I urge you to do that. I want to give you three next steps for following after Jesus. Here's the first one. I realize my identity needs to be formed more in Christ. And I will text Genesis about the Version Bible plan group. We're going to do a, a plan a group together that's just really focused in on who Jesus is and what he's done that hopefully will cultivate some intimacy about who Jesus is in your life. If you'd like to be a part of that, text uh, Genesis and I'm going to be on that group. I'll, we'll get you set up. Here's the second one. is uh, Ask a question. Ask one of these questions. Number one, uh, uh, what is a small step I can take this week to move from just believing to following Christ more? Maybe that's a question that really fits you where you're at. What is one small step I can take this week to move, to 
be in a process of moving more to following Christ more. Then here's another question. Who is one person in my life that needs to hear the message of Christ? When I was speaking, maybe someone even came to mind. Someone who's going through one of those uh, terrible times that I mentioned. And God would put that on your heart. And here's the last one. Come to Equip on February 26th to learn how to gospel on the go. That's what it's going to be all about. Um, I, I have this vision. I mean, I think, you know, we've got about 500, 600 people that come out to Genesis. We touch every person in this community. I believe it. You have a friendship or a relationship with, you know, everybody in this community. And if you're equipped to share the gospel with them, we can touch every person in this community with the gospel. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? That's what God wants to do. That's what he wants to do in our community. That's what he wants to do through you. He wants to transform you as you follow in his path. And then he wants to transform the community. The people that you work with, the people you school with, the people in your neighborhood, even your family. He wants to transform.